Hi guys and welcome to the first episode of Toby Talks. Um, I'm joined with uh, Rashida Page Muir, director of Revolution London, and um, Anthony Okereke. I'm a political consultant and um, also a local authority councillor. For where? Greenwich. Okay, cool. But I don't speak on their behalf. <laughs> <laughs> so um, in today's podcast, we'll be discussing four topics. Um, we'll be discussing the uh, Supreme Court case. Um, we'll also be talking about the Liberal Democrats uh, conference and their new stance on Brexit. Um, we'll also discuss whether Boris Johnson can secure a deal with the EU. And um, the final topic will be about Top Boy and life crime in London. So um, we're going to kick off by talking about the Supreme Court ruling. Um, I kind of want to get you guys' opinion. So what what do you actually think about Boris proroguing Parliament? Are you are you in favour of it or are you against it? Well I think if we look to the reasons or the motivations of why Boris Johnson chose to prorogue Parliament, then I'm not in favour of his proroguing of Parliament. Um ultimately he prorogued Parliament to make sure that people weren't gonna have a debate about Brexit or his option to take us into a no-deal scenario. So on that basis, no, I'm not in agreement, because his the whole basis of him proroguing Parliament is to shut down Parliament, make sure people can't um, ruin his plans of a no-deal Brexit, and I'm not in favour of that. I think Parliament, to me, represents something that is sovereign, and something whereby all of our elected representatives go and have a really good, robust debate on the issues concerning different variety of topics. So I think, for me... Parliament should remain sovereign, and Boris Johnson shouldn't just shut it down to stop people from debating. But would you, would you, because some would argue that the reason why he prorogued in the first place was because Parliament was obstructing his ability to negotiate a good deal. For example, um, one of the first things they did when they actually came back was take no deal off the table. And, you know, when you're negotiating, you, you kind of want to be able to walk away from negotiation, right? So don't you think Parliament was kind of acting as an obstacle um, I would never call Parliament as an obstacle. I, okay, I, I want to hear what Rashid has yeah, to say. Yeah, I was going to say it. So I think, um, yeah, I'm not in agreement with the proroguing of Parliament because um, I think that the role of par- Parliament, one of the roles of Parliament is to scrutinise and the Prime Minister has made, is attempting to make that virtually impossible on one of like the biggest um, deals this country would have had to deal with um, in quite some time. All right, um, yeah, ultimately, I disagree with his proroguing of Parliament. Parliament is meant to act as a body that we elect to scrutinise policy um, and the Prime Minister is making that incredibly difficult to do so. I hear what people are saying about um, Parliament supposedly being an obstruction, but I don't think that the people of this country who voted to leave voted for a no-deal Brexit. And and, and maybe we have no means of proving that, but... I don't. I don't think we should go. For okay, but then don't you think if we have a situation where Boris wants one thing and Parliament wants another thing, we should have a general election? So my question to you guys: Do you think it was right for the opposition parties to oppose a general election? The, but the thing is, it wasn't just the opposition parties that proposed a general election. Boris Johnson was talking about having a general election as well. No, opposed it. They opposed. Oh, oh they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, so, so, so I said that. Like, do you think it was right for the opposition parties to oppose right. a general election? Because he motioned a general mm. election twice. Uh-huh. Yes, hundred percent. Look, I think 
the, the, the question here is, is about no deal Brexit. That's what we're fighting against. Yeah. And what they've done is take no deal off the table. That's the right thing to do. And what Boris Johnson, the whole point of the general election was on a no deal Brexit, trying to bring back a mandate to push through a no deal Brexit. That's not what we want. But we if want that's what the friendly. people want, at the end of the day, right, we had a situation where no one can command the respect of the House of Commons, right? And in, in a situation when that happens, ideally you want to have a general election. So don't you think it was right after the bill was passed on Monday, this was like, what, two weeks ago on Monday, that Jeremy Corbyn actually said, OK, look, um, you want one thing, I want another thing. Let's, let's let the people decide. Instead, he decided to take, you know, take it into his own hands. And, you know, now Parliament's prorogued. We have no general election coming well, up. We might have a general election coming up. But I think the point that I want to kind of reiterate is... It was important to make sure that the whole point, the basis of a general election isn't to just go out and build an election on the back of Brexit. It's much more than that. General elections are about our social and domestic policies and our national policies and our international policies. Mm, and I don't, I don't just want an election built on the back of Brexit. Um, and I think what, what Boris wanted to do was have an election just to sort out Brexit. And I don't think that's what we should be doing. We should like I said, Parliament is sovereign, and I think it was important that they were able to have that debate and take no deal off the table. I know you said it doesn't help our negotiation, negotiating stance. I disagree with that because the EU have been our partners and have been our partners for a while. So I think we need to be able to say, this is not what we're looking at doing. You know, we want to deal with the EU and, and we need to be moving to the, towards that direction. And Boris Johnson wasn't taking us in that, that, that direction. Okay, cool. I want to talk more about the uh, Supreme Court case. So um, obviously... Um this past week, it's been, you know, debated in the Supreme Court and stuff. Eleven justices have been um, discussing the issue and um, and they're going to come with their verdict early next week. So what do you guys think? Do you, do, you, do you guys think that the Supreme Court will rule in favour of Boris and say that the prorogation was lawful? Or do you think they'll rule against and say it wasn't it wasn't lawful? I'm not sure, but I also am not sure that it will even matter. Obviously, this whole conversation has come up about whether this is an issue for judges to decide or for politicians to decide. And I think ultimately, so the, it was the Scottish um, Supreme Court who said that it was unlawful. Yeah. And fair enough, maybe they, no one's respect, respecting Scotland. But I think <laughs> if um, the judges over here decide the same thing, I'm not sure how much of an impact it's going to have anyway. And of, obviously the, the, ju the justices have said they're going to try and approach this issue with a matter of speed, but there's so many things being put in place to just delay, delay, mm. delay. I think by the time ultimately all of this goes through people, if it, if it goes a particular way, there'll be appeals and they'll be back and forth. And I think ultimately, um, I, I'm not sure how much of a difference it's actually going to make. And I think what's been interesting about all of the events that have unfolded over the last a few weeks and months to be fair is like the what the implications of having an unwritten kind of constitution mm. are and how there isn't really a rule book for what this <laughs> stuff is supposed to look like yeah. and so people are kind of making it up as they go along and yeah so I'm, I'm i'm not sure what difference it will make yeah i think you've raised important questions like you know the whole reason why you know the executive is clashing with the legislature is because we have an uncodified constitution. There's no rule book, like you've said. And um, I think that we probably need to rethink our whole political structure after, you know, Brexit and stuff. Mm. Because it's really put 
our constitution on on strict on a, on a serious strain. And when you have people like Boris Johnson that doesn't respect conventions or the norms of doing things, maybe we need more, you know, a stricter mm. kind of constitution. And another thing you said about um, about Scotland. So obviously the Scottish High Court said that you know Boris Brogan Parliament was unlawful. And I feel like if the UK Supreme Court rules, you know, against what the Scottish Court said, it would raise further questions mm. on Scottish independence. Mm, because the SNP will say, look, our courts say one thing and <laughs> the UK courts say another. Rose. You know, Scotland's voice hasn't been heard. Yeah, exactly. And I think that mm. this whole Brexit crisis has put, you know, the whole union, the whole United Kingdom at risk. I mean, you know, there's talks of, you know, Northern Ireland, you know, leaving the UK and, and joining up with the rest of Ireland. So, yeah, this this Brexit has been a major issue, like, and I don't think we're going to see an end to it anytime soon. But Anthony, what, what do you think? Do you think the Supreme Court are going to rule in favour or against? So I'm split on the issue because um, Prorogan Parliament is legal in the sense of it is a vehicle to close down Parliament for a period of time. But how you do it is what's... It's the question, so... And why? Exactly. I think for me, it's... Will the Supreme Supreme Court say that the advice that Boris Johnson gave the Queen is wrong? Mm. Um, Do we know what that advice is or or how they'll come to that decision? So I'm not convinced that they will rule that Boris Johnson um, acted in a way that didn't... um, um, respect Parliament or and I don't believe that they'll come to the decision that he misled the Queen ultimately he goes to visit the Queen and he tells her why he's choosing to prorogue Parliament and and she does that you know and I, I don't see the Supreme Court getting involved in that process and saying that what he did there was to mislead the Queen and thus proroguing mm. Parliament was illegal and I don't think they'll come to that decision yeah yeah cool so, um, any final points on the Supreme Court ruling? I think it will be um, interesting. Yeah, it will. It will. I'm, I'm, I'm watching it, and um, it'll, it'll be good to see what decision they come to. I think they'll come to the the decision I yeah. explained. Yeah, but if they, they don't, don't it'll be, it will be really interesting. If they don't, it sets a precedence um, in politics, and mm. it lets people know that our prime minister can't just behave and act in any way, shape, or form or treat the Queen in, in any way, shape. But then what's interesting is that even if they say it's illegal, he could still just say, okay, exactly. cool, I'm not, I'm not listening to you the guys. Power, the they have no power. Because <laughs> he is the Prime Minister. Yeah. Parliament can't just suddenly um, get Parliament, call Parliament back. It takes a Prime Minister to do that. Mm. So. Yeah, I think definitely one thing that has come out of this is that the executive body in the UK has too much power. Mm. And we've, we've seen that... Um, kind of with the whole Brexit process and, and in general. I think as well, if we didn't have... Disagree. If we didn't have... No, I, I think the executive body is, is quite is quite powerful. Especially, I think... I think the only reason why... I, no, no, no. I think I the mean, only that, reason why... get no deal off the table. No, no, but the only reason why... The, the only reason why Boris is struggling is because he has no majority in Parliament. Exactly. When you look at, for example, when Tony Blair had, you know, one of the biggest majorities in history he was able to get through anything he wanted of course. like do you get what i'm trying to say like the only reason to do. Yeah, yeah so so when the executive have you know 
control of the legislature, which sometimes they do by winning, you know, big man like elections and stuff. The executive has way too much power. No, imagine, no, no, imagine no. if we had a situation no where, thing. imagine we had a situation there's where. No, there's, there's no, no such thing as the executive having too much power. Imagine, imagine. Sorry, definitely. Sorry, If people elect them, they're there to, they're elected on the basis of that manifesto. That's what people want. Not okay, necessarily. So I don't think, not I don't necessarily. Think I think the executive power. To, because, would you because like them to be powerless? The, no, but the royal prerogatives, they don't need the approval of parliament. And there's a lot of, of prerogatives they could use. It, we, we, it's, it's based on but people democracy. Also, but but the, the majority. majority didn't vote for Boris Johnson either. No, yeah, that's quite right. And we I didn't think, even vote I for him. We didn't even elect him. That's, that I do agree with and I can understand that. So you, you <laughs> think there's too much figures? It's the, way our power. It's, it's the way our parliamentary system works, no, unfortunately. On. But I don't look at the end of the day. Whether, whether or not you say yes, he doesn't have a general election mandate. Ultimately, a Conservative government was elected. Mm. Those MPs were put there, so they do have a mandate in terms of their elected positions mm. as parliamentarians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think I think everyone needs a new mandate because everyone's stance has changed. Which brings me on to my next topic about the Liberal Democrats and their party mm-hmm. conference. Um, I was watching a bit of it just just out of curiosity and stuff, and I, didn't watch I think I think the Liberal Democrats have have changed in a way, and I'm not sure it's actually to their benefit because it's starting to look like they're one issue party. The only thing they're talking oh, about yeah. is remaining in the EU. And they're alienating a lot of their potential voters. And also, they're bringing on board, they're trying to be this home of, you know, ex-Conservative members, they don't like Boris, and ex-Labour members. When this whole issue of Brexit is done, will they will they still be a united party? Because it seems like the only thing they're actually united on is is stopping Brexit. And yeah, I think I think their their party's actually gonna have a lot of problems after this whole Brexit process because they've pretty much let open the doors and let anyone into the party. I mean, Philip Lee, he abstained. Um, he abstained when it came to uh, homosexual, um, I think it was homosexual uh, marriages. Um, he abstained. So, you know, that doesn't necessarily fit into liberal values. So that's one question to ask. But I just want to ask you guys, so um, how united do you think the Liberal Democrats are currently on on the issue of Brexit, and do you think um, anyone in the party is kind of annoyed that they've changed their stance? Mm. I think the Lib Dems at the moment are using Brexit as an opportunity to regain some credibility, some clout, to get some kind of position, and I guess to an extent it's working. We've seen a lot of like Tory MPs, Labour MPs yeah. move over to the Lib Dems. Um, I do agree with you that after Brexit, um, they will probably run into some difficulty. But I think they're, they're seizing an opportunity at the moment. Um, and, boy, I, I guess they're, they're doing an alright <laughs> job of seizing an opportunity. Yeah, but I also are. think most parties, the main thing people are talking about anyway is Brexit. Brexit. And to be fair, they're probably in the process alienating people who have other concerns um who i think a lot of people are just tired of this brexit situation now and i know a lot of people who were they weren't for um the they weren't for brexit but they just kind of want it over and done with now and so the i guess boris johnson's part of his position of like wanting to just leave on the 31st is about now let's just get this done done. and a lot of people i know a lot of people who who kind of hear that they're tired of this like ongoing dragging out of Brexit, not being able to discuss any other 
political issues really mm. every a lot of things have been like swept under the carpet yeah everyone's just talking about brexit right that's it absolutely so i think yes yeah, it's, it's not something just it's, it's not something that the lib dems are doing solely do you think it was smart for them to change their position from from having wanting to have a second referendum to now you know they don't care about having a second run they just want to stop brexit do you think that was wise because i think they moved too far i think i think that their, their position is now a bit extreme so um i spoke to a liberal democrat the other day who said to me our brexit position hasn't changed um and in fact they're still for a second referendum and the current policy is second referendum up until they go to a general election whereby it's we're going to revoke article 50. and i almost feel they've set themselves a trap here so i think this is going to be the second phase of their kind of student tuition fees <laughs> promise <laughs> and what we're essentially going to see here is them getting everyone excited, marching them up to heel, mm. only to march them back down again. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't think um, this has been a wise decision, and I, I think it's wrong, actually. Because ultimately, we can all sit here and say people didn't know what they were voting for and everything like that. But ultimately, you can't just ignore that referendum result. Yeah. And I think the important thing is, it's okay for them to take a policy stance and saying we're going to revoke Article 50, but I think, I do believe now, and as someone who wasn't convinced about the second referendum before, that the only way to get past that now is a referendum yeah. of what people want. And I'm happy to do that now that no deal's taken off the table. So I think they've got themselves in a difficult position. Um, and are they together? Oh no, hell no. You know, you had Sam Gia, who was former Conservative um, <laughs> MP. One of their favourite you know, who, 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 who Who's now moved to Liberal Democrats, who was, you know, second referendum guy. He's never spoken in favour of revoking Article 50. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a party that comes together on Brexit. And what we're going to see, this is my political prediction, and they're never always correct. Um, but what we're going to see is people, you know, leaving the Liberal Democrats very soon. Mm. and probably resigning at some mm. point. You know, I, I don't think they're going to come together uh, united behind this revoke Article 50. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to thrive or succeed. Yeah, I think one of the things that's interesting is parties are very quick to make... Um, to make promises when they don't necessarily think they will, they will get the numbers. So, for example, David Cameron, the whole reason why he even probably promised the whole referendum was because he didn't think he was going to win a majority. He could have easily have ripped up that part of the, the his, his manifesto if he had to go into coalition. Vice versa, Liberal Democrats don't actually think they're going to win. Come on, Liberal Democrats will probably never win. So... <laughs> Their whole thing is, oh, let's try and get as many Remain voters as possible. Mm. Then, I don't know, we'll, we'll go into coalition with the Labour Party and force them to, to do a referendum. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So, mm. I think they just need to be careful because their policy is a bit extreme and it will probably attract a lot of voters, but it's not practical. It's not sensible, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, personally, if you look at what happened during the 2010 election where the Liberal Democrats went into government with uh, David Cameron, if there was a general election tomorrow and there was a hung parliament, who would form government? Who would form a government? I think, I, I think, I, and on I, that basis, can their policy still stack up? It's it's difficult because I don't see the Liberal Democrats working with Boris Johnson. Okay. That would be an utter betrayal to anyone who voted for them because Boris Johnson is completely opposed to a second referendum. The only the only party they could go into coalition with is the Labour Party. Well, we wouldn't be simply just revoking Article 50 without... Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. That's so why said, That's why I they would have to I, change their stance. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
it's exact. Yeah, it's exactly the same. They they make promises because they don't actually think they're gonna they're gonna get into power. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy to do that when when you have no position. It's easy to yeah. Like I remember Jo 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 Swinson. She said that she's a candidate to be prime minister. Come on, like honestly, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I just I just don't have any faith in the Lib Dems. And even when sis was I don't know you said you didn't watch it, but she was like oh. If the Prime Minister thinks that being a woman is a weakness, I'm here to tell you that it is not. And she really felt like a slap. And it just <laughs> did not slap at all. But yeah, well, man. I just don't believe them for like a second. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, what I, do you uh, people actually believe I, in? I, I always felt that. What kind um, of halfway political party are the Lib Dems? Like, I actually don't know. The Lib Dems, the Lib Dems are very wishy washy. So wishy. They brand themselves as being like you know the party, yeah, the party for for, yeah, they're just fake. (laughs) They're just fake. I mean, I always think they're talking sound bites and it never resonates. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think Nick Clegg was was, I think he was just very good at speaking. That's kind of what took the party from where it was back in two thousand and ten. Kind of won them a lot of seats. Don't always agree with Nick Clegg. But he did. He did have some ideas, and you know, I think he was very. Um, I found him to sometimes be a forward-thinking individual, not all the time, but sometimes when he thought to think forward, he could. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I think they're not there right now, and I, you know, hey, let's see what happens with Joe. <laughs> you know, so right, you guys, are you guys planning to buy um, David Cameron's book? That's an interesting question, you know. What do you think about I'm him? Intre- <laughs> you know, we should actually talk about him because um, he he kind of disappeared. Yeah. He just he just literally vanished after the referendum. And I actually like for for a minute, I was worried. I thought he was depressed. <laughs> he must have been. Well, there's he a mu- documentary on BBC called The Cameron Years, and you can literally see that he said someone says David came up to me the other day and he said to me. Every time people wanted to talk to him about something different, now they just want to talk to him about why he chose to go for a second referendum, for a referendum. Sorry. Mm. So clearly there is. Something I think I think chest. I think he is he is deeply saddened because this is a guy that really wanted us to remain. If but not if, only if, that, if he, this was a guy that wanted his legacy to be much more than Brexit, Brexit. and yeah. his legacy is Brexit. Because I remember when you, when you think back to 2015 and 2010, the the, the main reason why you would vote Conservative because. They were gonna cut the deficit, you know, austerity. We have no. to cut the deficit. All blah blah society. blah blah blah. Big society, all of that kind which of rubbish. Never, which never came about. So 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 so. What's 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 not big enough? I think <laughs> I think what's interesting is when you actually look at his legacy. He didn't, you know, re- he obviously half the deficit, but he didn't fix, you know, the huge um, deficit that Britain has. He didn't really do much. I think his legacy is Brexit, and. You could put most of the blame, you know, the the whole mess on on the, on his plate, and he wouldn't be able to say no to it. And I think that's what's weighing on his conscience. Um, but his 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 book should be interesting. I'll probably yeah. pirate it because I'm not buying. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I am I am gonna buy it. I, and um, I don't really I buy a lot of political books just to read. Um, but it, I think it's what I want to hear is just get his perspective. You know, I I, I bought um, what's his name, Ed Balls's book, and I thought that was really good. Just kind of. Listening to the in in ins and outs of government and governance mm. and, and being in opposition and all the kind of things that go on that you just mm. can't hear on the news, mm. so I will get it mm. on that basis. Do you think? Do you think David Cameron would have predicted that this would be his legacy and that no. Boris Johnson would be prime minister? No, I think even mm. still today he's trying to convince himself that 
it was the right thing to do. And I, I genuinely... I think he knows that it was the wrong thing to do. Didn't I think he, he knows that. Didn't see It was his picture of his sad face. He said, sorry, well, no, I failed. Did you I, not see this? I didn't see it. But... <laughs> said, with sorry, little I failed. Jeans, with a little denim jacket on. I think it's hard to say. I mean, look, I do agree. Um... Actually, I, I don't know. However, Wait, do you guys think it was right for him to leave when he what, did? Like, yes, straight away? Yes, I, I don't... This is something that really irks me about UK politics. Like, whenever someone messes something up, they just resign. And I, I can't respect so, I mean, it. So I, agree, I can't respect it. Because I agree that it was important pe- to leave. People just always like to leave something else in someone else's but then, place. But then, like, but, then, but then what you have to remember is that his whole stance was, you know, we had to remain. And they were doing crazy stuff, like even um, George Osborne or whatever, he was coming up with emergency budgets that would have... Yeah. Like, they literally wasted all their political capital on Brexit. So he kind of had to... So I think he, he had mean, to leave. He didn't need to go forward. I don't think he needed to go forward with referendum. He didn't need to. Yeah, yeah, I don't think and, he needed to. It wasn't that big of a political no, will to, um, to have the referendum. But and now it has completely clouded everything else that mm. he has tried to do. I mean, Theresa May's whole... Um, Premiership was, was about David Cameron's mistakes, yeah. and I don't. I feel sorry for her as well because I, I, I don't do. think she she got I to do. do anything. She didn't. She didn't get to implement any policy she wanted. I, I, I don't feel sorry for politicians. You live by a sword, <laughs> you die by. Wow, sword. okay, you as well, politicians. <laughs> well, listen, by the sword. Look, it, it, it is the way it is. Politics is a brutal thing mm. that yeah. is very very unforgiving. Yeah, it is. that's just the way it is. I'm, I'm going to be very honest about that. Um, I feel like David Cameron didn't need to um, do the referendum on the basis that you know. What was his motivation? From but thinking back on it, was yeah. it that he Look, went to um, undertake a referendum because it was a conservative issue? It was though, because looking exactly. back on it, and UK, that's, that's not the motivation. UKIP in the 2015 election, they got further right conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got they got thirteen percent. Yeah, but they got thirteen percent of the uh, of the popular vote mm. in 2015. Yeah. yeah. So no, no, in um the uh, in the uh, 2015 general election. Okay. Yeah, they got thirteen, and they took they took a lot of uh, Labour footers actually. Yeah, they got a million, a million votes from that, right? Um. So yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. I think I think yeah, Cameron shouldn't have called the uh, uh the uh, but referendum, I, I, but I think he was gassed. I think, I don't think after winning the Scottish referendum, after winning the yeah, general election, he was pumped. He was that <laughs> I'm an excellent campaigner. I know what I'm doing. You know, this is gonna be another. He's like, how stupid can people be to actually want to leave? And to I think fair, that's kind a lot, of what a lot he of thought. Us never thought the, the and referendum I think was gonna go the way it exactly. Is. I mean, yeah, I, 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 listen, I was campaigning on the night. Went on Snapchat and said, "Yes, tomorrow we're gonna stay inside the European Union." <laughs> like I was doing the most, and then I woke up and checked my phone, and it, apparently we had left. Like it was total shock. So I, you know, I'm, I was quite in, in a way, I think it's because we kind of live in this London bubble. We like, definitely live we, in the world. Yeah, I, th- I think that's why, because no no one really talked about the EU, like it being a problem in London. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Even before the referendum, like EU, what, what's that? But like when you go to other parts of like England and the United yeah. Kingdom, people really, really, really think Europe is, is has caused them so much misery and is the reason for a lot of their issues. And I think austerity is... is, is is the root cause of, of, of Brexit. I think it's a, it's a lot of, I think there's a lot of misdirected of rage yeah. as well. And the thing is, the whole immigration thing, for a lot of people in London, they do feel like that is an issue. Like, parts of, like, Woolwich, there's some mm. racist EDL members <laughs> who I've come across many times who feel like, oh, we need to get these immigrants out. More time, they're talking about brown immigrants who aren't even coming from the EU in the first place. <laughs> it's so it's true. a lot of mis... There's a lot, there was a lot of misunderstanding and a lot of people felt like their predicament financially, socially was the cause 
of Europe and mm. in in reality I, I, I don't believe it is but when you look at the state there was some merits though to, to discussing our relationship with the EU you know with other European countries joining the European Union and getting the benefits of the fact that you know we're, we're Great Britain country loads of employment opportunities mm. there was some merit to having that debate in the sense of actually treaty after treaty after treaty at what point do we have to say as at what point do we start talking about what we sign up for? I think the European Union as an entity, entity mm. is something that does need reforming. Do I think we can reform the European Union? I don't believe we can. You know? But then well, that, that conversation didn't even really take place. I think a lot I, of people. It did, yes, you're quite well, right. But well, I almost believe that it, it did. So I think con- it, it didn't take place for people, but the political conversation was had. And with David Cameron trying to reform, and um, we can question whether or not it was the right type of reforms and that's questionable. Mm. But I don't think the European agenda slash us and them have had that conversation of what a reformed European Union looks like. Yeah, mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that we probably should have stayed. However, I do think that we probably would have had to leave eventually. I mean, the European Union, they want to centralise. They're for closer integration and Britain has always been on the outskirts. We've never really wanted to be full-fledged members. Mm. I think if we didn't leave, you know, three years ago, we would have left maybe 20, maybe 30 years ago because that's the direction that people are moving towards. Um, so, yeah, I, I, that's why I think that we should honour the first referendum. I do think that we need oh, the second one. Gosh. I do think we need the second one to, to get past so this what, impasse. What would, you, what would the question be? In, in the second referendum? referendum. I think leave... I think... I don't think Remain should be on the ballot. I think you should put a deal that we have against a no deal. Right. Because so no deal's people, illegal now. You can't go for a no deal. It's illegal. Well, no, it's illegal for October, October the 31st. Doesn't mean you can't go for no deal. That's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but what, what was interesting, what was actually, interesting... wait, wait, is it? Someone, someone, someone told wait, me, actually... Someone, to- someone, someone told me, actually, that... Well, you can repeal that bill. <laughs> Legally speaking, it's the Prime Minister that has to ask for the extension, right? Yeah. Someone was like to me, you used to say Boris Johnson will be Prime Minister mm. October 31st. Because he has no majority, right? He could easily resign, allow Jeremy Corbyn to be Prime Minister, or whatever he wants to call himself. And Bo- Jeremy Corbyn... Jeremy Corbyn... <laughs> whatever he wants to call him. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn... Ex- because he will just be a placeholder PM, right? Jeremy Corbyn extends. And technically, Boris hasn't extended. He hasn't mm. broken his promise. He could do that. I mean, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I, I think, I mean, moving forward, I think, I, I mean, I disagree with you. I think Remain should be on the box. Because ultimately, mm, if I people agree. feel it's an option, then we should, look, if we're talking about democracy but, here, like, no, if we're talking <laughs> about democracy here, and uh, we're talking about giving people an option, I think Remain should be on the ballot box. But, deal should be on the ballot box. No deal should not even be debated. I think, I think, I think this headache, this, he- okay, cool. If, no deal um, wins or we go for a no deal, Brexit won't stop for another five years because then we'll be talking about how we look, how we're going to negotiate with the EU, etc, mm. etc. Et if we vote to remain, you think the Nigel Farage's of this world will allow that vote to stand? He'll be the man in the third place. Listen, well, look, if, <laughs> who, are, who are you guys to tell him that we should have no more votes? Hypothetically, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? hypothetically, if 
I'm saying Brexit nonsense. I really am. Vote for Remain. Seven. You think 70% will vote? The best case scenario. Best case scenario is 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 fifty two. Fifty two. Best case scenario is fifty two. It's fifty two forty eight the other way. That's that's the best case scenario for Remain. If 70% people vote to remain, then that's a clear indication of where people stand on this issue. That's all I'm saying. Now, that's a hypothetical number and scenario. Thanks for the hypothetical number. <laughs> 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 I'm cool now. If 70% vote to remain, yeah, no, no, there's no need for, for I mean, I discussion. doesn't have an argument if 70% of people he doesn't, but I doubt, I doubt. <laughs> this guy single-handedly caused Brexit to happen. It will make... Alright, cool. So um, we're gonna move on to something more like heighted. Hopefully, um, yeah. we're gonna talk about Top Boy. I've not started watching it. So you haven't. You haven't. Oh, okay, I'm cool. Still on power. Rashida, you finished. I've got. I've got two episodes left. Two episodes left. I'll try not to spoil anything, but we're just gonna talk about. Do you think Top Boy glorifies violence? Like that's just a general question. I don't think so. You don't think so I at all. Th- I don't think so. I think. I think that art often reflects society, society and society yeah. and what's taking place in just like grime certain places and communities <laughs> just like grime um and i think there's got to be space for that from like an artistic point of view i understand the critique of for particular communities especially black british communities that only being the ever type of depictions of our communities that we see mm. i do think that is harmful um to ourselves Mm. Um, but I don't think that that means that we shouldn't have the top boys or the, or I, I don't I don't think that means that we shouldn't have those things because I think they're important. I just want to see different types of representation. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. But I I am more in favour of Black British people slash Drake <laughs> featuring in constructing like the depths of these realities because one thing i really did appreciate about top boy particularly this new season <coughs> is the revelation of some of the preconditions that like facilitate communities that participate in certain violence like the immigration story like the the, mm. the factors the poverty yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the disenfranchisement that takes place and i think often when we hear these stupid noise news stories about knife crime or whatever none of that is ever taken into place mm. um so i i do think that yeah, I'm, I, yeah. I, I don't think it glorifies violence. I think, I, think I, I agree with you. I don't think it glorifies violence. Um, I do agree with what you said that I think it depicts black people in a certain way, black men in a particular way. And that's kind of what we only see on TV in terms of black culture. Mm. However, I do think it shows a side of London that had to be shown. Like, mm. um, you know, Top Boy was off air, what, for six years? And I think it reflects... Like, you know, what's going on in modern day Britain. I mean, like, um, the whole... I, I really like the whole storyline with, you know, um, Jamie. Jamie, Jamie and, and his two brothers and yeah. stuff. And that's some people's reality. And what's interesting yeah. is you could see that the system didn't even have any anything in place to try and help. To, to 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 try and take someone out of that situation. Even um, the guy Ants, the, the, the guy whose yeah. mum has yeah. immigration problems. You can see that... All, all the school could really do is have talks with his mum. Mm. There was no substance. Do you yeah, know what I'm trying absolutely. to say? There was no, there was no help. And yeah, like it was, it was sad to watch in a it sense. Was, but yeah. it was, I don't know. It it made me happy as well. Just I, I, just, I enjoyed watching it. It wasn't yeah, all no, doom and gloom, good. but it was, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't watched it yet. Um, I, I'm still 
still remember the scenes from the last series when the little boy gets pushed over the, yeah. the edge of the flat. And I've, I've always enjoyed Top Boy and action movies. Um, so action I, 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 don't, I don't think it glorifies um, um, violence. Is that, what, is that what your question was? Yeah. Um, <coughs> I think you're right. It does have to... It, Art needs to reflect society, and I think it is important that we have vehicles that demonstrate what happens in our society. What I do feel, though, is that what we do want to see is everything, mm. including the positives. So I don't know if you ever remember that um, film that showed the three women astronauts, or the, the people that were working for NASA. Hidden Figures. Yeah, Hidden Figures, one of my uh, favourite movies. Oh, you need to watch it, mate. You know? um, which demonstrates, you know, that this there is much more than just the violent side or the poverty side of what we face in our communities and it rep- it, it, it represents and gives that representation on, on different um, lives that different um, people from Bane backgrounds live mm. and I think we need more of that, we need to be cast into more of that and we need to um, leverage ourselves into higher positions where we're able to set the narrative sometimes as well and I think that's the difficulty that we face is that you know a lot of the time where we're on a position where we're being cast into something that's already written. And, yeah. you know, we, what we need is small support for black, Asian and ethnic minority writers and and more funding towards their own projects where they can put forward different people's stories. Moonlight was a fantastic um, a film that I really, really love, you know, that, that kind of showed that and brought something different in terms of the cinema experience slash someone who is gay and homosexual. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with you. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from, from Top Boy as well, just mm-hmm. about... Because for some people, they probably never even tried to understand other people's realities. Yeah. So, for example, um, yeah, I think I think I think the way it's, it's, it was it was very well done, um, and yeah, I don't really have any criticisms of it, and like I think all the actors were amazing. Yeah, the acting was fantastic. Yeah, the yeah, like the quality of it has really you know stepped up a notch. It's not what in I my heard, opinion. But- what, no, did, yeah. what did you hear? Well, I heard that um, <coughs> they've hired a lot of untrained actors. I had a few, spoke to a few actors in the industry who felt a lot of the actors weren't trained and ha- almost felt that, you know, as actors, um, we spent our life training and that doesn't, that isn't necessary. I, I agree. They brought, brought a lot of new talent. They brought a lot of new talent. Like, um, they didn't bring, you know, any big names apart from maybe Dave. Yeah. Was probably the only there, there, known. Was, there was definitely some I think for some characters that acted 100% could have been better but there, I think the main characters for me yeah. the acting was on point Kano is fantastic I think Kano has been my favourite like you really see the depth like of his character Kano I, I find. who's yeah. that? Kano's character um, what's his name? Sully Sully oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. no Sully yeah. yeah Sully but they've kind of I don't know I feel like they've changed Sully's character because he used to be a lot nastier in in the old yeah no, it's like I, they've I switched agree. they've they've switched the the sean and sully or whatever yeah. it's like the sean used to be more nice and and sully used to be more aggressive and stuff i think this it's just character development isn't it and he's been in like jail for a while yeah he has. he's got like a, a daughter and all of that stuff um yeah the stuff of his daughter was traumatized was by well. his his um friend uh jason yeah, no, that was so sad. And I think stuff like that, so like with the, the um, asylum seekers living in that house was, in Yeah, Ramsgate, and then they were, and they the, were being attacked and yeah, stuff. Yeah, all of that. I think they've like shine and they like touched on gentrification. Yeah. Like there was a lot of things that came through and I was like, this is, this is like really well done. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I no, I'm, I'm, 
I'm pleased with what they've produced, man. I must say. So on on the issue of knife crime, what do you think could be done? What lessons do you think you've learned from Top Boy that could I don't know, help tackle the issue? I think, wait. First of all, like, I really hate the term like knife crime. I think a lot of people that actually do the work refer to this issue as serious youth violence. I think knife crime is a term that's been deeply sensationalized by the media in order to refer to black boys in the inner city. But if a white man sh- strikes another white man in <laughs> Ramsgate, that is that the, or or in some fancy part of London, you don't attribute that to knife crime, right, but. Yeah. It, it is, do you know what I mean? So yeah, if, we're, yeah. if we need to, I think when we have these conversations, we need to identify what is it exactly that we're talking about. Yeah. They, we know that in terms of crimes documented, in, in terms of using a knife, the way the documentation has happened has changed over the years, what they define as knife crime. Oh, I see. Um, and so, yeah, I think we just have to be careful when we're talking about these issues and identifying what we actually mean, who we're actually talking about. Um, but what solutions what would you? Are. What solutions would you? In terms of knife crime, I know. I know you don't have long in it. But okay, in terms of like, so you're talking about like young black. Yeah. Okay. People. Yeah. Yeah. Youth violence. How youth. do we? How do we tackle? Ser- yeah, serious youth violence in London. I think there's. It's it's difficult, but I think one of the main things that came out of Top Boy, for example, is like the lack of support, the lack of funding mm. for young people, the mm. lack of. Um, support for parents who are maybe having financial difficulties like where where are kids yeah where are kids supposed to go do you know what I mean these are like vulnerable young people who aren't exposed to many options or opportunities and don't have support and I think a lot of that that stuff's got to change in terms of social services youth services a lot of that stuff has suffered tremendously in the last 10 years Um, and I don't think it's any coincidence that as that stuff has suffered the number of young people being involved in serious youth violence has increased. I don't think that's a coincidence. Mm. I agree with you. I agree with that. Yeah. How would you? What would you do to tackle knife crime, councillor? Um. Well, now you're asking me to put my council hat on. Um, <laughs> so I think I, I agree with Rashid on the basis that we should see it more as youth violence because it's much more than just the knives that are being used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that is probably the way to go. Um, on a on a I mean I've never felt that authorities slash governments have had the solutions Um, I've always felt that this is a solution that needs an all of us approach to it Um, so really local solutions and coming together with local community groups working in partnerships to kind of solve knife knife or youth finance Um, and I think that's, that's what's needed I don't necessarily feel that I myself as an elected official have the solution you know I think what if I talk about Greenwich and some of the good things that I've seen is local initiatives like the organization that Rashida runs things like that that can help engage people things like the um, the kind of fitness to the streets things a wide variety of different solutions there yeah you know that involves giving people a platform to engage discuss and just learn, you know, and I think that's really important. But at the same time, it's how we not only just invest in community initiatives, but how we're tackling poverty. Mm. You know, and I think that that is where government needs to step in 
and make sure they're providing solutions to that. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that a lot of this can be traced back to, you know, austerity and the fact that, you know, young people today have, you know, fewer prospects than their parents did. And it, it's, it's, it's quite sad, actually. Um, and there's, there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, social mobility is, you know, rock bottom this country and I think that's heavily contributed to knife crime but yeah um, any final remarks um, before we close off vote Labour <laughs> why do you always do this because <laughs> um, I'm an ambassador why should we and, vote Labour and um, I, I believe that's the way we can solve some of these issues that we've spoken about today yeah. people like myself who have grown up um, in village you know and have went to schools where gangs have you know rolled up and pulled up and stuff like that you know i've, I've experienced that so I, I i definitely believe i have a voice so what's labor going to do for the young people in woolwich huh i know you want to well well labor's labor's doing a lot you know we've adopted um the public health approach um we're having interventions working with other local authorities coming together with the police and funding smaller initiatives so, so I think labor, we're, we're doing we're doing quite a few different organizations are being funded in the borough so well, I, can, I can send that to you <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I mean, I but feel like you vote Labour, do your research. I think local councils. I'm just gonna say, I feel like local councils are being asked to do a lot more with a lot less. Of course, to yeah. be fair, we are. I mean, their resources have been slashed. No, absolutely, but I think some but I think councils aren't particularly proactive either in terms of actually engaging members of their community, yeah. young people, for example, or particular. I think a lot of some councils can do more. Yeah, I, I do agree with that, and I, but I, I do feel that the Greenwich Labour Party is doing quite a lot on this issue, and we are on the ground, we are going to events, and we are meeting people and talking about this issue constantly. Cool. Great. <laughs> Great. We, we could be here. We could be here for days, but I think I think yeah. We should we'll, just like to send for me. <laughs> we'll, 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 I think we'll we'll end it here. Um, so yeah, this has been uh, Toby Talks Politics. Um, thank you for tuning in. Um, yeah, catch you next time. Bye. Thank you.